Well, uh, lots of energy in the room. I love baptism weekend. Uh, honestly, it's one of my favorite times. I love when we have baptismals. And uh, I'll be honest, I kind of just, even just a second ago, just kind of breezed over it because I can get real emotional about it. I love seeing people take next steps. I love seeing family members jump up and down and <laughs> yell and take pictures and parents, you know, video. it's amazing to see. And there's a reason why we get excited about it is because we believe that as God is still working in the earth today, Jesus is still moving on hearts. Holy Spirit is still working, and we'll talk a little bit about that today. And it's amazing to celebrate people who've given their life to Jesus and, uh, and have taken that next step. And, and I'll be honest, I don't know if Justin's in the room yet, but I, every time I talk about Justin, he didn't know I was going to say this, so he may, he may come up to me after service and be like, Pastor, don't do that. I'm sorry. I just you, you, you give me a mic. I'm just going to say what's in my heart. I mean, I get real emotional about that because uh, you've heard me, many of you, 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 you've heard me share the story of my parents, and my parents are actually here today, and, and uh, you know, the invitation that my parents received that changed the course of our family, and it's the power of an invitation. So when I think of Justin, I think of just the power of an invitation, how that's impacted not just his life, but his future and generations. So I could just, I could preach about baptisms, go on and on, but just so excited about all those who were water baptized uh, this service and those that, that we celebrated at our first service. Well, open up your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 5. We are going to continue in our series called Built to Last. And uh, we've been talking about this idea, this thought that we're all building something. And, and the truth is we all want to build something that's going to last. We want we want to build something that, that has some strength to it. It's going to last. And, and we've talked about this idea that we're all building something and that what we build, it's going to get tested. If you've lived any amount of life, you know life's coming. And sometimes life will kind of take you by the hand. Sometimes life just kind of punch you in the gut, okay? You know what I'm talking about? How many of you have ever been just kind of life is just kind of, well, you're, we're all building something. And what you build is going to be tested, and so this, this idea comes from a story of Jesus. Jesus is speaking in Matthew chapter 7. And he's giving this story, and he's talking about two different types of individuals. He's talking about one individual that is wise. That's how the, the Bible describes him. That's how Jesus describes him. And he says this individual is wise, and this individual has built a certain way, and the way that they've built, the wisdom in how they've built have come from this simple principle. They have heard the word, and then they've done it. So it's not just hearing, but it's also doing the word. And then he contrasts that with an individual in verse 26, and he says this. He says, listen, there's another individual that was really looking to, he wanted to build fast. He, he wanted to get after it. He wanted to dive right in, and, and, and he didn't really build the last. What he did is he didn't build on the rock. He built on the sand. He didn't build wise he built, un, he built in an unwise way. Well, well, what was the difference? The difference was he heard, but he didn't do. You see, if we're going to build the last, there's this principle we have to live by. We have to understand that we got to listen, we got to hear, and then we have to do. And so the first week we talked about this foundation that we're building, we build this foundation on Jesus. There's no other foundation other than the foundation of Jesus. He is the ultimate foundation, and last week we talked about what does it look like to build on the Word, right? How do we, how do we apply the Word to our life? And there's this blueprint, and, and as you're building, again, and, and you've heard me say it many times, that if you don't like what you're building, you have what you create and what you allow. And so it's in the blueprints. What blueprints are you using to build? And most important blueprint we can use is this one right here. 
Well, so last week, there's this blueprint that we need to use, but, but where do we tap into the power to, to build from this blueprint? Where, where, where do we get that from? How do we do that? And so today, we're going to talk about building on the Holy Spirit. What does it look like to, to build the last and build upon a relationship with the Holy Spirit? You see, because the, the Holy Spirit is a very real and active individual who's alive and well today and active in our world today. Jesus even said, hey, it's better for me to go. And, and when I go, you're going to get this gift that is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's actually going to remind you of the things that I tell you. That's what it talks about in John chapter 14. And so the Holy Spirit is active and alive. And so we have to understand, we have to recognize and realize that if we're going to build in a way that, 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 that can last, the power to build this way, the power to be able to build in a way that lasts, it really comes from connecting in our relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. He's a person. He's a third part of the Trinity. Okay, and, and when you think about this, I, I shared with you how conversations I have. My kids are nine, seven, and five, so we have real colorful conversations. I mean, we have, color, we have conversation about all sorts of stuff, and you never know what's going to come up, and that, you never know what's going to come out of their mouth, especially my five-year-old. You never know, and some of you know my five-year-old. You know, she's, she's colorful, like her mama, okay? And so we, we'll, we'll talk about things like this, and, and we'll have conversations, and, and so even when you're talking to them about the Word, and what does it look like to build on the Word? You talk, to him about, you talk to him about the Holy Spirit. What does it look like to build on the Holy Spirit, right? And so you talk about who is the Holy Spirit. And so you have conversations like, you know, I mean, is, is he a vapor? Is, is he a wind, you know? Uh, you know, one may ask, you know, well, Daddy, I mean, like, you know, is, is he a ghost? Like I, I heard, you know, someone said, someone called him the Holy Ghost. Is he like Casper? Like what, what, who is this guy, the Holy Spirit that you're talking to me about? And you see, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, sometimes we're kind of like that. Depending on our relationship with God, we're going, I'm not really certain, I'm not really sure about the Holy Spirit. And, and so I think there's really two types of people that are here today. First, there's those that you're kind of, you're, you're intrigued. You're intrigued about the Holy Spirit. You're going, okay, well, Pastor Chris, you're telling me there's a Holy Spirit and he's a very real person and, and I'm intrigued about that and I want to I know a little bit more about the Holy Spirit. I want to know like this person and how do I interact with the person of the Holy Spirit that's active and working today. But then there's another group of people and you're in process. You're in process. You're just kind of going through and you're processing through what's happening and, and what you're doing. You're going, hey, I have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I'm working with the Holy Spirit. I, I, I meet with the Holy Spirit. I, can, I, I, I uh, communicate with the Holy Spirit. I have a relationship with Him. And so you're in process and you're learning and growing. And the truth is, no matter where you're at in your relationship with Christ, no matter where you're at in your relationship with Jesus, no matter how long you've been serving Him, we can all learn more about the working of the Holy Spirit. We can all learn more about what it looks like to have this relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because the truth is this, that, that as we dive into this Word, we're going to need the help of the Holy Spirit. We're going to need Him to empower us and, and to give us perseverance and to sustain us to be able to build to last. And so th that's what we're looking at Ephesians chapter 5. And, and we're looking at the words of Paul, and I want to give you a little bit of context here. And I want to help you with this, and, and I want you to understand that Paul is writing here, he's writing to a very real group of people, okay? So this is a letter, right? You, you write letters to people you care about. I don't know about you, but I don't know how many letters you've written, but you're probably writing to someone that's important to you. 
And so you write these letters, and so you've written all these letters, and Paul is writing, and he's writing to a very real group of people, and he's writing to them about some real life issues. He's writing to them about areas of life that really matter when it comes to building a life that lasts. He actually starts out the chapter, he talks about, hey, I want you to be imitators of God. So he's dialing into this character component, how we live our life, how we interact with people, how we respond to people. He goes on, he even talks about sexual purity, and he talks about living a life of purity and, and things that, that matter, that you're going to have to learn to live out and walk out. And, and, and then he ends, he actually ends this section of uh, uh, this chapter, and he talks about marriage. Many times when I'm, when I'm officiating a, a wedding ceremony, I'll use Matthew. Ephesians 5 and we'll talk about what does it look like the roles of husband and wife so this is very real stuff in how we live our life and right in the middle he gives this group of verses and he's saying listen I want to help you here because the power to be able to live this out to be able to live life to build the last it's got to come from somewhere you're going to need a little bit of empowerment let me read to you here Ephesians chapter 5 Verse 15, it says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. So he's tying into, Paul is tying into the words of Jesus when he said, hey, there's two kinds of builders here. There's someone who's wise, they listen and do. Someone who's unwise, they listen and don't do. So he's tying into this principle, this biblical principle of building. And he goes on, verse 16. He says, Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. So he's saying, listen, you're going to get filled. Don't do this. You may feel like a hero right now, but later on you may have some regret, right? A little liquid courage. Don't do this because it really won't sustain, but there's another way that you can be filled. There's another way that you can understand what it looks like to really build the last. And he says this. He says, I want you to be instead filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. Now this word filled, it's unique. I want you to understand the power of this word. Now, and I kind of want to dive in just a little bit for just a minute. You see, because this word filled is plerao in the Greek. And you go, well, I didn't know I was coming for a Greek lesson. But it's important to understand the New Testament was written in Greek. And, the Greek, and Greek is a very inflective language. Which means when you use a word, you could use different forms of the same word. It's all the word filled. But different forms of that word they have a different meaning in the context of a sentence. Now, now, why is that important? Because it's important for us to understand really what Paul is saying here when he says filled, because I don't know about you, but when I, when I think of that, I think of just one and done. But that's not what he means. You see, that word filled right there in that context, plerao, is actually plural, which means it's for everyone. It's not just for a select few. It's for all of us. It's plural. It, it incorporates every single one of us. It's imperative, which means that it's not a suggestion, right? It's not like, hey, if you kind of feel like it. No, no, no. It's imperative. We should do this. We can be filled with the Spirit. But then it's also this. It, it's present. 
It's present, which means it's active and ongoing. It's, it's active, just like the person of the Holy Spirit who is active and actively working. This word filled means that it is active and ongoing. It's continual, you know. And when I think about filled, this is just me. I think about my vehicle. Now, sometimes when you think of a vehicle, the first thing you think of is when you're filling up, like you fill up your gas tank, right? But that's not entirely what I think about because I've got three little girls that like to fill my wife's minivan with all sorts of stuff. And if you got little girls, which I love being a girl dad, they come with a lot of stuff. And so in my wife's minivan, it also not only is a mode of transportation, it doubles as a uh, closet. Lots of shoes and clothes in there. It doubles as a toy box. Lots of toys in there. It doubles as a uh, science project. Lots of food growing stuff in there that I don't know where it came from. I had to take, my van had a recall on it and the, the uh, striker plate on the second row was, was, I don't know, whatever. Something was wrong with it, I guess. So I took it into Honda and I kid you not, I dropped it off. I'm thinking, Lord only knows what they're going to find under there when they lift those seats up. Because you know what, it's filled with all sorts of stuff. But can I tell you something, when they get into daddy's car, now, her minivan is newer than my car. I got that classic 02 Toyota Sequoia. It's just going to run. got like 215,000 miles on it. Lord, let it go till the wheels fall off. Let's put another 400 on it. I mean, we're just going to drive that thing. But let me tell you something. You think that car was a $100,000 vehicle because you ain't going to have food in my car. You ain't going to leave your shoes in my car. You ain't going to leave your clothes in my car. You ain't going to leave your toys in my car because, I don't know, maybe it's just me. I'm particular. That's the way I like it. You ain't going to leave that stuff in my car. You're not going to fill. I want my car filled with my stuff. My stuff. You know, stuff that's, that's, that's helpful and stuff that you need and stuff that you want. And a lot of the stuff that you don't want. You see, if you don't determine what your life's going to be filled with, can I tell you something? This world's going to fill it with something. You better determine what you're going to be filled with. Because as humans, we are all vessels. That's how God created us. We're going to get filled up. You're going to get filled with something, and you get to determine what it's going to be filled with. You have a choice to make. And so you can determine, and, and, and I, want to, I want to help us here for a little bit because I want to look at three other words, and I want to look at the Greek of these words that help us understand how we interact with the person of the Holy Spirit, how we engage with this, how we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And there are three other words that really help us, and by way of illustration, I'm going to use water as an illustration, with, which also biblically, oftentimes the Spirit is referenced as water as well. The first is this. The first is para. That's, that's, that's the Greek word which means with. Okay? The Holy Spirit is with you. It's kind of right there next to you, beside you. The Holy Spirit is with you. See, this is what happens when you don't have Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is still with you. It's God who loves you. He wants a relationship with you. It's Jesus who saves you. But can I tell you something? It's the Holy Spirit that opens your eyes and your heart to the need of a Savior and to a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit contends for the hearts of men and women. Now, there will come a day where the Holy Spirit won't contend for the hearts of men and women. It's either Jesus has come back or you breathe your last breath and now you're standing before the Lord. But until that time, the Holy Spirit is with you. He's moving on your heart and on your life. And I'm grateful the Holy Spirit is alive and active today to continue to move on people's hearts. Can I tell you something? Oftentimes, 
especially on our prayer wall. We're praying for people and they're going, oh, I have a lost loved one and I want to see them come to know Jesus and all these things. And can I tell you, I love how that, that when I pray for them, often what I do is, you know, they're thinking, well, pastor, will you pray for them? And like, I got some magical silver bullet prayer because I'm a pastor and they're just going to get saved. You know what I often pray? I often pray, Lord, send someone across their path. Because it's the Holy Spirit that works on that person when they're sitting down at your table, when they're sitting down at a relative's table, when a friend that just got hired, or when a friend comes and starts sharing Christ with them, or a new employee that just got hired sits down right next to them and invites them to church, or a neighbor just moved in invites them to church. That's the Holy Spirit moving. He's with us. But the second word is in. It's where we, in Greek, it's where we get the word in. So then you give your life to Jesus. The Holy Spirit works on your heart. And now what begins to happen? The Holy Spirit comes in you. Can I tell you something? When you get saved, when you give your life to the Lord, what begins to happen is this. You get saved. You receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But you also get sealed. And so you get saved and you receive salvation. You also receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit in that moment. But here's what happens. I'll, I'll talk to people and I go, well, you know, Pastor Chris, I got saved back in 97. I mean, one and done. I got, I got saved and filled. Wait, wait, you're kind of messing with my salvation. No, 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 no. We're not messing with anyone's salvation. You're saved. You're filled. But there's still more. See, then there's this word epi in the Greek, which means upon. That is that ongoing filling. This empowerment to live out the purpose that God has called you to live out. And can I tell you that when this happens as well, what has to happen here is this is ongoing as well. I can continually be filled up. I can continually go, okay, God, I want to be continually filled with you. And I think about my relationship with Jesus. I, and I've shared with you before how in my relationship with Jesus, you, I've grown and and and. You know, what, what begins to happen is we all come from different heritages and backgrounds. And the heritage you may have come from, the heritage I came from, it was very much spirit, presence of God. And it was awesome. I'm grateful for that heritage. But oftentimes when you, when you talk about the Holy Spirit, it's very much centered around the expression of the Holy Spirit. Right? The, the expressions and, and the activity. But that's not just what it's limited to. And so I had to begin to evaluate and look as I learned and grew in my relationship with God. I had to get rid of preconceived ideas of what I thought church and the Holy Spirit had to be like or had to look like. You know, I, I was raised in a heritage where many would have said, you know, that was a charismatic church. And, you know, I know for many of you, you hear that phrase, you know, whoa, 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 I don't know, back up, you know. Is Pastor Chris going to start, you know, jumping up and down and waving? We're going to just march around. And, well, here's what happens is that phrase charismatic has gotten a label. And it's gotten a lot of activity associated with it, which really is not actually where that word originates. The word charismatic comes from the Greek word charismata, which means grace gifts. So if you believe the Holy Spirit is active and working today to give grace gifts, guess what? You're a charismatic. You're going, oh man, I didn't know that. You know? And in the same hand, I had to then also turn to this word. Because I had to realize that being a charismatic and understanding grace gifts didn't mean all the activity at times that was associated with that. I had to get rid of preconceived ideas if I was going to really understand what it looked like to theologically build on the Holy Spirit. And I had to dive into this word to discover what does it actually mean, what does it actually look like, and how do I live that out? 
So how do we build that? How do we build on that? How do we build on the Holy Spirit? Well, the first is this. You have to realize that you believe, you have to believe, right? Not just know, you have to believe. The Holy Spirit is still working and you recognize your need for Him. Can I say that what happens is this, that the Holy Spirit is still alive and well today. He's still working on the earth today. He's still moving on people's hearts. He's still moving on your heart. He's still moving on my heart. And I need him to continually be working because when I don't press in to needing him, then I just lean on my experience and my ability. And that's not the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's not what Jesus intended. That's not why He left us the Holy Spirit. I have to recognize that He's still working today. And it's this ongoing interaction, this multi-layered interaction with the Holy Spirit because I need Him. You want to know who else needed Him? was the disciples. If Jesus thought this was important to communicate this to the disciples, it's important to us as well. I don't know about you, I, I mean, this is the disciples of Jesus, okay? So if it's important for those who walk with Jesus, it's probably important for you and me. And so you think about their interaction, Jesus is going, you need this ongoing interaction with this active individual that's part of the Trinity named the Holy Spirit, and He's going to help you, He's going to empower you, He's going to sustain you so that you can build the last. It starts first in John 20. The Bible says that Jesus breathed on the disciples. Man, well, what was that like? What, I mean, I don't know what it's like for, for Jesus to breathe on me. But when he breathed on the disciples, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit moved and it began to empower them. And then you continue to chart along and in Acts 2. Acts 2, you have the day of Pentecost. Many of us know, day of Pentecost, Spirit comes down. And they are filled with the Spirit. They're filled with the Spirit. Okay, But what begins to happen is, it's an ongoing filling. We think, oh, filled, one and done. No, no, no. It's this ongoing, active, present filling of the Holy Spirit. Well, how do you know that, Pastor Chris? Because you keep reading the Bible. And then in Acts 4, guess what happens? The Spirit again, but now this is three times. The Spirit moves on Peter. They're getting persecuted. They're going to, anyone gone through difficult times? They're going through difficult times, challenges. And what happens is they needed the help of the Holy Spirit to be able to do what God had called them to do. And so the Spirit moves and fills them with power and they begin to preach. You read at the end of chapter, of, uh, chapter 4. And it says it empowered him to preach with boldness. You see, if you're going to advance the kingdom in your family, if you're going to advance the kingdom at your workplace, if you're going to advance the kingdom in your school, if you're going to advance the kingdom at home, can I tell you, you're going to need the help of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to begin to do that. And you have to recognize He's actively still working today and I need Him. You see, we have a lot of times, you have a lot of experience, you've been around a lot, you've done a lot of things, but what happens is you're not actively engaging with the person of the Holy Spirit, so you're not hearing Him. You're not leaning on the Holy Spirit who's helping you. When was the last time you said, help me with this situation, Holy Spirit? Help me with this business situation. Help me with my child. Help me. Because I, I know me, when I don't do that, I lean on my experience or I lean on my personality or I lean on my preference. And most of the time, all three of those become a recipe for disaster because I end up operating out of my will and my want rather than the leading of the Holy Spirit. I need Him. I need Him to help me. 
He's active, and I need his help today. But here's the second way we build on the Holy Spirit in our life is this. You receive power for a purpose. This is not power from the standpoint of it's just emotionalism and it's just expressive. It's power for a real purpose. Acts 1.8. Many of you may know this scripture. Many of you, this may be the first time you're reading this. This is an interaction right here that's happening. And it says you will receive power. What happens? When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There is a purpose. There's an empowerment that is happening here that Jesus wants to give us that he longs to do within us. You see, there's an empowerment. And, and I think of this, this kind of analogy, this example of what it looks like to have power. You see, thinking of building, I think of this, I, I think of building a fireplace. And many of you, you've built, depending again on your heritage, you built a really good fireplace. You've got the word and you built it up and it's, all, and it's all in place and it's there brick upon brick, line upon line, and it's awesome. And, and, and it's, a, it's a fireplace. But then if you were like my heritage, you're like, who needs a fireplace? Just bring the fire. Well, there's a problem with that. You just bring the fire, you get this. You burn the house down. And that's the thing, is sometimes you've been in an environment where you burn the house down, and you're going, I don't want any of that. And so you kind of push the Holy Spirit away. Or you've got an environment where you have a fireplace, and it's awesome, but a fireplace is missing something. It's missing fire. You see, there's power in a purpose. It's not just let's have a fireplace and just build all these things and we have, it's all nice and neat and it's not just let's burn the house down. It's no, I'm going to tap into the working of the Holy Spirit. There's a power He wants to give us and when I've built structure around it, now I have not an ability to contain and hold. I have a structure that creates an environment for that to happen. This is not about controlling the Holy Spirit. It's about understanding there's a purpose. I built a fireplace for a purpose. I have a fire for a purpose. And when I bring them together, there is power in that. There's power to do and be who God has called you to be and to do what He's called you to do. And because the Holy Spirit is active today, He's present today he's accessible today he wants a relationship with you and you can have a relationship with him you can access the power and discover the purpose it's both and so you got to recognize hey i i can i i need to receive holy spirit's active i need him i need him to help me there's power that's available and there's a purpose for it but then you get this. This is the third thing. If you're going to build on a relationship with the Holy Spirit, if you're going to build the last with the Holy Spirit, you can experience the benefits of the Holy Spirit. I mentioned how Jesus said, hey, it's, it's to your advantage. This is the words of Jesus right here in John. John chapter 16, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage. Anybody want an advantage? Anybody look, hey, I could use an advantage at work. I could use an advantage in my marriage. I could use an advantage with my kids. I could use an advantage in this conversation or this situation. I could use an advantage in this, this interaction with a relationship that's really, really difficult. Well, Jesus says, I got the advantage for you right here. That I go away. Whoa, 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 time out, Jesus. Whoa, I, I thought, whoa, what, what happened? There's an advantage. 
I'm going to go away, but watch what's going to happen. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. There is an advantage, and his name is the Holy Spirit. And he is a person who is actively working today that you can have a relationship with, you can engage with, you can communicate with, and he can give you power for a purpose, and you can begin to receive the benefits that he has in store for you. What are some of those benefits? Well, here's the first one. Holy Spirit's our comforter. He's our comforter. Can I look when you when you look at your life? We're all going to walk through things that are challenging. We're all going to need comfort. We were designed for it. And if you don't turn to the Holy Spirit for comfort, comfort, you're going to turn to someone else or something else. And what begins to happen is instead of if you turn to the Holy Spirit first, the people He puts in your life and the things that He's given you can become a blessing. But if the Holy Spirit isn't your comforter and you're looking for someone or something to comfort you, you're going to be sorely disappointed. You're going to miss out. You're going to feel empty. And you're going to go from one thing to the next to the next to the next to attempt to comfort what only the Holy Spirit can comfort. Remember, God wants a relationship with you. And so Jesus comes and He saves you. Jesus paid the price we could not pay. And then when He goes, He's not, Jesus isn't here. He's ascended to the heavens he's at the right hand of the father but when he went he gave an advantage his name's the holy spirit he's active and working in the world in the world today we can have a relationship with him and he comforts us here's the next thing that happens these next two actually kind of go hand in hand he leads us and guides us into truth and he reminds us of everything jesus said the bible says that the holy spirit leads us into all truth he will remind us of what the word of god is telling us and what the word of god says about us i Two different conversations this past week. And I said, listen, hey, here's what's going on. You've been diving into the Word. I want you to look at that Word, but I want you to pray. And as you're praying, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And as you're praying that Scripture, I want you then to say, Jesus, what do you say about me? Who do you say I am? Because what begins to happen is, now it leads you into all truth. Not all preference. Not all ideas. Not all these things that everyone else around you. It's leading you into truth and reminding you of what God's Word says about how you lead, about how you live pure as a young person, about how you can be a spouse and how you parent your children. It is the Holy Spirit that will help you and lead you into those things. Which then in turn gives you this benefit. He gives good gifts. He's a good father. It's not just, oh, well, you know, if he wants me to have it, I'll get it. That's not how God works. That's not how the kingdom works. He's a, he gives good gifts. And one of those gifts, those, great, those grace gifts, those charismatic gifts, is discernment. Well, what is discernment? Discernment is the help of the Holy Spirit that helps you discern what may be happening in a situation. It, we all deal with so many different things all day long, every day. It's issues with employees. It's issues with fellow uh, uh, workers. It, it's, it's, uh, it's issues with our spouse. Issues with children. Issues with the person in front of you that seems to drive way too slow and is on their phone at the red light. And now it's green and you just missed it. Okay, I'm sorry. Please help me, Lord. Okay, maybe that was me. Yeah, we deal with stuff all day, every day. You're going to need discernment to know, how do I handle this situation? How do I speak to my spouse? Because what I really want to do is let them know what I think about them not doing what I asked them to do. And them, again, saying one thing and doing another. And I just want to let... 
man, I, I, I need discernment because here's this employee coming in late again and they told me they wouldn't do it and, and they did good and now they're late again. But, but discernment goes, hey, let me, let me, help me understand what's going on. And maybe they had a sick child or, or maybe they got in an accident on the way to work and maybe that's why. And who knows? But can I, it, 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 when you look at it, can I tell you that what you need is discernment to be able to know what you need to do in those situations. Guess who gives you that? Guess who helps you with that? The Holy Spirit. It goes back to what I said earlier. When's the last time you said, Holy Spirit, help me with this? I need help with this situation. It, what, what this looks like is, this is you understanding what it looks like to respond rather than react. I don't know about you, but for me, my tendency is I'm going to react. Because most of the time when someone says or does something, I've got a, a certain thought on how I think that should have happened or shouldn't have happened and or then if I'm not careful then I have a thought on what I think about that individual and how I need to inform that individual about themselves but it's the Holy Spirit that helps me go whoa time out I I need a little discernment that's a good gift and that's just one of them here's what else the Holy Spirit gives us as a benefit. He helps us and prays to intercede for us. He, he prays on our behalf. He, he reminds us of what to pray. Have you ever thought at times where uh, this has happened to me, especially early on, it happened a lot. I would be praying for, or I'd be thinking about someone and I was like, oh, I need to pray for them or I'm gonna call them and then I don't. And then like the next week I talk to them and you know, hey, how's it going? Oh man, it's good, but I just got this difficult phone call last week. And it was like around the, t- around the time that I thought of them. Maybe that wasn't the pizza I had the night before. Maybe that was the Holy Spirit speaking to me, showing me how I should pray and how I could pray. When I don't know what to pray, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will intercede, will intervene on our behalf and pray with us and for us. And what begins to happen is then the Holy Spirit also gives us boldness. Gives us boldness. Oftentimes people don't say what they need to say or, or they don't live the way they need to live or they don't speak up because they think, well, you know, I don't really know what to say. What would I say? But it's the Holy Spirit that gives boldness. It's the Holy Spirit. And so you may go, well, what are you asking me to do, Pastor Chris? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask and receive. That's it. Ask and receive. Because that's how God works. When you read later on in that same chapter, Matthew 7, in this chapter where Jesus gives a story about the two people who build, there's also a portion in there where he talks about ask, seek, and knock. You see, in the kingdom, it's not just, ah, oh, well, if he wants me to have it, then I'll have it. You know, then that, okay. No, no, no. It's you ask and you will receive. It, you ask and receive. The, the challenge is this, though. When I think about receiving, I have a timeline on when I receive it. And I also have a preconceived idea on how I should receive it. That's why even when it comes to the Holy Spirit, that's challenging. Because when you think of the Holy Spirit, you may have a preconceived idea of what it looks like to receive it. But what happens is the Holy Spirit is with you and He's moving on your heart. And then you begin to surrender your life to Christ and He comes inside of you. But let's not stop short of what He really wants for us and that's this ongoing, continual filling of empowerment. That we may live on purpose. That we may be able to tap in to His power because we need Him. We need Him to be able to persevere. We need Him to sustain in life. We need Him to build the last. I need Him. I need Him. We need Him. We need Him in our marriages and how we interact in our relationships. We need Him to parent. We need Him to live as a young person that God has called you to live as. We need Him. We need Him to discover who and what He's called us to be. We need Him. 
And all you have to do is ask and receive. So I want you to bow your head and close your eyes, and I want to pray for you today. I want you to be able to receive the infilling. And again, this is not a one and done. So it's not even today. Oh, okay, I prayed with Pastor Chris and, and I received something great and one and done. No, remember Ephesians 5. It's this ongoing. It's present. It's active and ongoing. It's a part of who and what He's called us to do. We can engage with this person named the Holy Spirit who can move in our heart who can empower us, who can give us grace gifts, and we can exercise discernment, and we can walk in those things so that we can live the way He's called us to live. We can lead the way He's called us to lead. So Jesus, I pray right now for each one of us, first and foremost for those who may be in here, they don't know you as their Lord and Savior, but you're working, you're moving. Even now, you're doing it just like you're with us. So even when we're far from you, you're still with us. And you're moving in our hearts. And so I just pray today for those who are in here today, if you're far from God, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You just simply say, Jesus, I surrender to you today. I make you my Lord and Savior. I surrender my heart to you and I thank you that you died on the cross for my sins and you take my sin, my guilt, and my shame and you make me new. If you prayed that prayer today, We'll have our ministry team that will be up front. We'd love to pray with you. Put a Bible in your hand, some resources in your hand to help you take next steps. But for the rest of us, Jesus, I pray that we would understand that we can engage with the Holy Spirit each and every day. Jesus, thank you for giving us such a good gift. We thank you. That we can have an ongoing active relationship of consistently being filled to be empowered for a purpose by the work of the Holy Spirit. And so I pray that this week that we would embrace that. That this week we would engage with you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts and work and move in our hearts. I pray that we would engage in an active way because we need you. And I pray that you would just begin to do that. Begin to work in our heart. Begin to work in our life. We thank you for that. That we can do that. And we can build the last. In Jesus' name, amen.